Okay, podcast, you stand by here. You're listening to Sportscope with your host, Robert Butler, on Northeast Streaming Sports. Okay, hello, everybody. Welcome to Sportscope. I'm your host, Robert Butler, here. Um, congratulations to the Gonzaga. Wow, they that was a huge win. Blowout win over USC tonight. Want to talk about that 49er Dolphin trade. Came up on Friday. Kind of caught me off guard there a little bit. Didn't quite see that one coming. Uh, I know there have been uh, some rumblings about that and everything. Going to talk about uh, NFL Week 17. We got I got some of my favorite games I'm going to talk about coming up here in a little while. Uh, Howard Schlollenberger died, 87 years old. The guy that really built up Miami Hurricanes. Maybe get into that a little bit. But first, you know, I was watching the Pro Day today with Jay, um, Justin Fields. And... You know, I'm looking at this guy's 40 time, and I'm looking at some of the throws that he is making. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I've been listening to a lot of rumblings about this, uh, the idea. Like Chris Sims, Dan Orlowski are saying that what Mac Jones does fits better, fits better for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And they supposedly, air quote, skipped Justin Fields' workout and went to see Mac Jones. Mac Jones didn't have that great a pro day today, you know. Uh, He didn't miss a big throw there. And someone tweeted out a video of the route looking exactly like the route that that, uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo missed in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I thought to myself, this is very much a flashback to a few years ago where you had a guy that looked like a just a dead-bang lock NFL player in Deshaun Watson, and we're hearing this stuff about this, uh, that the Chicago Bears are going after this guy, Mitch Trubisky. See, at that point, I think the thought was Watson was overanalyzed at that point. And we saw him against Alabama, saw him in national championship games. And the Bears uh, skip up and go to uh, and, and jump on to the, um, to the Mitch Trubisky. This is very similar to that. This guy, Pickles, ran a 4-4-4 fields. Uh, uh, by the way, he's got 17 starts under his belt. So does Trey Lentz. So Mac Jones has got 22 starts. I get it. You know, so the, the one school of thought is people are simply overanalyzing Justin Fields. He's got the fastest 40 times since Robert Griffin, and he's twice the pocket passer of a Robert Griffin. And... I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy seems to have it all there. Maybe he's got maturity issues. I don't know. I don't know about the interviews. The interviews are done differently now because there was no combine. But it just seems to me that uh, Fields seems like the guy. He may be even better than than uh, than, than Zach Wilson. And then Lewis Riddick, uh, a scout, he says in context of the pro days, and what they weren't, uh, Justin Fields is on fire today, Lewis Riddick says. He said, even more importantly, what I love most was what the coaches said about Justin and where he is at his development with a good NFL staff. This young man is going to be a star. And I think, yeah, that's that. That's what I'm thinking. You know, uh, I, I just can't see Mac Jones. And, and you know what? On the flip side to the Mac Jones – Mac Jones could be a victim of being on such a successful football team that he is automatically overlooked because he played with three first-round 
potentially four first-round wide receivers, one of the best running games in the country, one of the best running backs in the country, the best coach in the country. It makes him look like, well, we assume that, you know, this guy is just a, a product of Alabama. Look at the other Alabama quarterbacks. I've talked about this before on uh, other programs about Peyton Manning. He played, he came out a few years after a guy named Heath Schuller. Heath Schuller was drafted number two to the uh, uh, Washington Redskins then, the name of the team. And he was terrible. He was way overrated. And I thought to myself, I was young then. I, I didn't know, watch what I do now. But I was thinking to myself, man, this guy Peyton, he never beat Florida. Uh, the other the other player wasn't that good. He's surrounded with great players. He's going to be another bust like Keith Schiller. Well, I was wrong. And another example of that would be Russell Wilson. When he was drafted in the third round, I, and people were saying that he was beating out their uh, then starting uh, uh, quarterback with Seattle. And I thought, this guy, he, he's five foot ten. He had a great running game at Wisconsin. Uh, Monty Ball, James White, Pickles, remember those guys? Uh, had some guys that made it to the league on the offensive line. I thought to myself, there's no way this guy is going to beat out Matt Flynn, the guy that they paid this money to to cut them six touchdowns for Green Bay. And I overlooked it because he was on such a good team. You know, the rest is history. Russell Wilson turned out to be a star. So Mac Jones has a uh, a bias that's working against him because other quarterbacks in that program. And you could say the same thing in a way about Ohio State quarterbacks. None of them would turn out to be great. But all of them are different people, right? So my point is that maybe this guy is a pretty good quarterback. Now – he missed a big throw today, and it's going to get played over and over and over again. Somebody cropped it up and showed it looked just like Jimmy Garoppolo throwing a long pass. I think it was Debo Samuel in the Super Bowl. He missed a wide-open receiver. This guy missed a wide-open guy against air, Mac Jones, and uh, uh, in the pro day today. Meanwhile, Justin Fields is running a 4-4. He ran – uh, Trey Lance didn't run. Fields knows he's a good he's a good pocket presence. And you say, well, what about Fields? He he uh, he transferred. He couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. Well, Joe Burrow transferred. Joe Burrow transferred to LSU and became the first overall pick. So uh, it, it's a lot of stuff that that people are saying against Fields. I could combat for say four Fields and. I just think that, and you got to look at the two games that he's played against his biggest competition in Clemson. Didn't have a terrible game. Everybody's judging him on that Northwestern game. All these guys, like I said, Trey Lance has got the same amount of starts against lesser competition. He may very well be a better quarterback. I don't want to, I could see, and I made the case the other day while Lance may be the guy too, that they see something in his arm strength or something that they don't see in, in fields that the, uh, because I said the same thing about Josh Allen. Wyoming don't – usually if a guy comes from a smaller school, they're usually that much better uh, in the workouts and on the film because they're playing against less competition. So they've got that big strike against them. So, But my thing is, I, if it's me and I'm San Francisco, you know, uh, I, I would just uh, – I would roll with fields. Now, another thought. Uh, think about this, everybody. Uh, you go to the Super Bowl, and then two years later, you uh, well, the next year, your quarterback gets hurt. You get the 12th pick overall, one of the best rosters in football, had a lot of injuries, and now you're going after a quarterback. And I was telling my dad this the other day, guys, that all these gentlemen, I'm 39. I will be 40 in July. God will it. And a lot of these general managers are between early, mid-40s, 40s to 50, to 50 years old. Guys like Chris Greer from Miami, Les Sneed, uh, 50, uh, from uh, Seattle. 
or not Seattle, uh, L.A. And then John Lynch, I think he's like 46 or something from the 49ers. And one thing these guys have in common with people my age, between 35 and 50, we're talking Generation X, and I'm technically one of those millennials. I hate to claim millennial because of the bad stereotypes, but we're we are we we dealt with the uh, um, recession. None of my friends, I mean, none of my friends, fifty and under, do not work at one job for thirty years. We're used to change. We're used to transition. Uh, we're used to high speed. We don't have a lot of patience like other generations. And we're simply not, since we're so used to change and transition, one of the worst recessions since the Great Depression, we're not afraid to fail. 9-11, thank you, people. We're not afraid to fail. I mean, it took a lot of nerve to do what John Lynch did last Friday, you know? I, I was thinking, and then I read over the weekend that Lynch said he did have to get permission from the owner to do this, but I thought it was a bold move. He talked about it with Kyle Shanahan, and you look at this guy. Uh, I like the fear of, of, of not failure. Same thing with Les Snead. Kudos to the two California teams. Les Snead with, with the Rams, they felt like they got as much as they could out of Jared Goff, and they said, well, you know what? Let's move on to, to another quarterback, a little bit stronger arm. Maybe this puts us over the top. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo injuries, three out of the last four years. Uh, two of them been in September, cost this season. They got they got blessed in the skies. They got Joey Bosa. Now this year, they've got a possibility of three pick. But uh I like the move. And if it's me, again, I'd probably go with Justin Fields here. Uh, I think this will motivate. Jimmy Garoppolo, remember last time that a, um, a a team took a quarterback when a team got really far the year before was Green Bay, you know? It, it was it was Green Bay, and Rod, uh, Rodgers had the, the season of, of a lifetime. This happens, bef- this happens in football, you know? Uh, Brady had a good year. As soon as they brought in Garoppolo, he played better. But he's a pretty consistent player either way. But you you see the motivation with him. Now, another school of thought is that's been talked about is possibly that they that they may trade. They may trade Garoppolo on draft day. Once they get their pick, which I think it'll be Fields or um, uh, it could be Mac Jones. Uh, according to Chris Sims and everybody, I think it'll probably be Fields or Trey Lance of, of North Dakota State. So, and then and then uh, he'll be traded on on draft day. Uh, Garoppolo will be be traded on draft day. Now they his number's not that bad, and of course the new quarterback's number won't be that bad either. The new quarter, excuse me, guys, let me make sure. Okay, no comments yet. The new quarterback's number will be low. It'll be under a rookie contract. That's another aspect to look at this, guys. It's it's a it, it's a real thing now, folks, for teams to win on super win Super Bowls with quarterbacks on rookie contracts. If 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 the 49ers check this out, this is really big. If the 49ers can pull this off and get back to the Super Bowl with Justin Fields or Trey Lance or even Mac Jones, this is going to change potentially the league going forward. Because what this is, is this is saying if you've got a quarterback that you're, you think he's a franchise guy, but he's not an air quote top five, he's not a air quote all world player, you know, then you can move off of him and get another quarterback the next year, use some trade pieces going into year four, year five, get another quarterback on a rookie contract, and you don't have to bust up your salary. You don't have to bust up your roster. You start over with $3 million, whatever that first-round pick is, 
That's why you got to have good scouts. And then bring this player in. You know, now Colin Coward today was talking about players over the past, since 2010. He's talking about the, every player drafted in the top 10 since 2010. He says only six are guys that teams are happy with. He talked about guys like Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Okay, so I just said, okay, well, let's go back. Let's go back to just five years ago. Because my point is the college games and college concepts are being more introduced into the NFL. So the bust rate is way down. It's way down. Look, okay, look at this. So five years ago, this is this is more justifying what 49ers are doing. Look at guys have been promising that were, that were drafted just five years ago. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, he's won games, but I wouldn't go too far with him. Baker Mayfield's won a playoff game. Deshaun Watson, for everything it's worth, has got the highest quarterback rating in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, won a Super Bowl. Okay, this is last five years. Kyler Murray won Rookie of the Year. Josh Herbert is a lock-bang starter, Rookie of the Year. And Joe Burrow throwing back shoulder passes and comeback routes. Now, he got hurt, but he looks like a star. You know, that's the last five years. And you're going to throw in Dak Prescott drafted in 16. Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. The year they won the Super Bowl, Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl. Now, he's been moved off of. But before you pay your next quarterback on his second contract, 35 to $40 million, look at the trend, Pickles. Look at the trend that's going on now. The trend is these guys are more ready-made. you got Matt Rule over there in Carolina rubbing his hands together saying that, you know, if I could just get a guy to execute this offense, Trey Lance or Justin Fields would be good there too. I wouldn't auto I wouldn't want Fields to go to Atlanta. He's too close to home. I think he'd lose concentration. But a guy like Fields would be good there. Trey Lance would be good there. You know? But with, with these new concepts, you've got the bus rate. It, it's 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 why shell out two hundred million dollars, forty million dollars a year. You got to restructure players every single year. And part of this with what the 49ers done is they had um, they signed Trent Williams Pickles to almost a $20 million a year contract. Some of that is non-guarantee, but it's a very high uh, contract. One of the best left tackles, 93 PFF rating. So you can't pay everybody, you know. But that's why I say a team like uh, Baltimore, if you could find Lamar, you could find another Lamar, you know, or somebody equivalent. Use the same offense and get him on a rookie quarterback. You don't have to bust your team wide open. You could kill, still put in skilled players around that player, you know, and still be successful. If the 49ers pull this off, it will change the majority of the way the league thinks for the time being, until the next collective bargaining agreement, which is in 2031, you know, if you ask me. I thought that was interesting. I mean, look at the bus rate. Over the past five years, look at the guys that's been that's made it. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Herbert, Joe Burrow. I mean, that's just unbelievable, Okay. And, uh, I mean, the trade itself, I mean, I like what Miami did, but I'll say this. Miami, some people still think that Miami may use the players they got and maybe go after Watson now that the stock may be down a little bit. But, you know, you're going to have a good roster. Uh, but you're putting a lot of faith in Tua here. So Miami has... 49ers first round pick. Now they traded that 
back up to number six, okay? So Miami has the number six pick. Uh, 49ers has their three pick. Miami also has the 49ers first pick, and they gave it to trade back up with Philadelphia. And Philadelphia now has the uh, the 12 pick, and they have uh, the 49ers, which the Miami flipped back over to them for next year. So they, they've got a bulk of picks, by the way. I think they got like 11 picks. So the Eagles have more holes than a golf course, okay? And so they've got a load, boatload of picks. Now, as far as Miami is concerned, they're at the sixth pick. If, if when you got a quarterback like that, uh, I either get that that left tackle if he's available. So well, maybe he goes to Cincinnati. If you're if your scouts rate this Slater guy, uh, the guard from Northwestern that high, which I doubt they will, I would take him at six, or which probably likely take. Cal Pitts, if he's available, the fantastic tight end that a lot of people have higher on their boards out of Florida. Then you got him and you got um, Kavisky or whatever his name is. You got the other tight end, the beer guy. Um, I'm not sure if that is Jackie Slater's son, but he's really good. Uh, Slater can move all, I think it's that Rashawn Slater or something like that. He could move up and down the line. He could play guard, tackle, little short arms. He's probably not a left tackle material, but he's really, really good, compact player. Uh, very high on a lot of people's boards. But I would go Sewell or him. My third pick would be uh, Pitts. And then some people are saying maybe uh, the receiver from LSU that's rated over the Alabama receiver, uh, Smith. I just wouldn't try to get receiver at that position since you've already got Will Fuller and you got Devontae Smith. You get an extra tight end. Uh, tight ends are good for two things, guys. Young quarterbacks and guys like Cam Newton. Cam Newton loves his tight ends. Young quarterbacks and, and, and guys, it opens up the middle of the field. You still get that running back later. But um, now, of course, you've got this year, and then next year's not a big quarterback draft other than uh, possibly the Jamar Chase. Yeah, Jamar Chase from, from LSU is supposed to be over uh, Smith from Alabama. Uh, does not, not the best 40 time for him, but he, he's got that, runs good routes, very Equan Bolden line, uses his body to block out people. I get it, you know, but... Uh, I think Miami's rolling the dice here. I would have went after a quarterback. I would have went after either Russell Wilson or Watson. Now, if something happens, Watson, you may be able to get a better deal on him where you don't have to get multiple, multiple picks. You can maybe get one pick, right, uh, for him. But, uh, but but that stuff is probably going to be uh, probably going to be uh, on the back burner. But Cal Pitts would probably be my likelihood because I think Sewell will probably be off the board. And I think Slater from Northwestern to guard, uh, may, that may be a little high for him. But if my scout says, I really like this guy, Slater, I take the offensive lineman. I remember first and worst went to Tampa, and I thought, man, I wonder if they should have got a running back at that late in the first round. Tampa made the right move. Matt Light, the another guy that's mid-40s, uh, Tampa Bay general manager, he end up taking him, you know. Yeah, he looks. He does remind me a lot of Shannon Sharp too, uh, Pickles. So uh, as far as like the Eagles are concerned, the Eagles do have a lot of holes in their team, but I do like the fact that they. And I'm trying to flip over to their. I do like the fact that they did get multiple picks. I want to say they have 11. Okay, the Eagles and Dolphins engage in blockbuster trade. They get the sixth. Eagles uh, traded the sixth and 21, along with the 2021 first round to the Dolphins for the 12th pick and the fourth pick. And then they get a uh, first round in 2022. So basically, this is the Jalen Hurts year, whether or not he's going to be the guy or not. They can put a decent team around him. They got 
holes in there. Now, uh, now that guard, if he's there at 12, you definitely take him. Take they got two offensive linemen that I know off the top of my head that they can get to replace. I was looking up what the Eagles need, everybody, before I started the program, and pretty much everything. This guy listed quarterback, uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. He listed corner, uh, opposite of Darius Slay. He mentioned safety. Um, he said receiver. I forgot about. They got rid of Jeffrey. And another receiver they just let go to watch uh, Deshaun Jackson was 100 years old, anyways. So they they just uh, yeah. If you're if you're Philadelphia at that 12 pick, you just take the best of player available because odds are you're gonna need him. <laughs> but um, and I was telling the Mac and Jack show the other day that you know they're probably they're rebuilding, but they're not saying they're rebuilding. They they'll probably finish last in the in the East this year, and they'll get more picks. Uh, they'll get a higher pick next year, and they're going to have the 49ers pick next year. Say they get a top five and a twenty five pick, maybe you get a quarterback, maybe you get a premium offensive lineman, and then you put back and maybe go for one in twenty twenty three, perhaps. But they're not they're not going to be doing really well here lately. They they do. It is good to get that many draft picks when you've got that many holes. You can keep these people on a uh, rookie salary for that many years. So that makes sense. And But I know the fan base, they're going to become restless after next year. Another 5-11 and 11 team, they're, they're going to get restless. But, you know, you're going to have to be patient. That's what happens. Yeah, 11 picks. Uh, the fewest picks is uh, the Seattle Seahawks next this coming up draft. Most top 100 Jaguars got five, and, and then the Dolphins got five. So Dolphins have a lot to build on this year. This is going to be a big test for Tua. Tua, this is going to be your year, man. This is your life. Okay, the owners voted for and improved the approved the 17th game. Um, I'm telling you, it, it looks great. I know the players are simply annoyed with the whole thing, but they, they're annoyed with everything. They were annoyed with um, Thursday football. Uh, you know, I, I think this will push the Super Bowl back to around President's Day pickles. And I'm trying to find these games here. Of course, you know, when I'm not looking for it, I can find it. Let me change out. I'm gonna I'm gonna get those uh, get those games here because uh, there was some really good day. Like Tennessee is gonna play the Saints in the game, so they're at a they're not more divisional games. They're good at a conference games in this 17th schedule. If I can find the stupid thing, um, but yeah, I mean it, you've got guys like. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Excuse me, folks. Getting a little bit irritated here. Don't have all my notes. It looks like there's a, there's going to be a game played in London over the next few years. Here we go. You've got like Chiefs Packers. This is next year, everybody. 17th game. Bears Raiders. That'll be a pretty good one. Rams Ravens. Good offense versus... Uh, uh, you know, excellent defense. Saints, Titans, Buccaneers, Colts, Falcons, Jaguars, Washington at Buffalo. So I'm excited about it. Now, I'll say this. The players, they'll adapt and overcome. You're going to get um, – they'll get an extra game check. You know, I think the coaches and the trainers, they're going to use different uh, practicing techniques like they did. Remember when first – they came out with uh, Thursday football was terrible at the beginning. And then, other than the Thanksgiving people, it just got better and better and better because teams learned how to adapt to it. The NFL um, was using conference games. Um, so it, it seems like it's going to be it's going to be one of those situations where I think, I think it's going to work out. I, I think it, um, people will be annoyed by it at first. But then they will uh, adapt, adapt and overcome. It's more gambling. It's more fantasy. 
uh, I like it. I like it all around. At first, I was kind of iffy about it. They they wanted to put an 18 game in there, but they can't do it in this CBA. The um, the ownership. But uh, I tell you, it's something else. Let's see other news. Okay, Justin Field. Okay, yeah, and the Bucks. I mean, this deal with you know. You're watching it in the NBA and you're watching it in football where more and more the 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 the, the, the money generated in these sports has gotten so big. Forget about COVID for a minute. Over the past four, five, six years, somebody's talking about Drummond taking a buyout. This guy's already made over a hundred million dollars, pickles, and he's like twenty-seven years old. But you say that about it's like I told you guys about Brady. Took less money than Matthew Stafford from 2009 to 19, even before he met Giselle. And last week, before I came back on here, they have signed their 22nd starter. They brought back Leonard Fournette. They they've got everybody back, and you know Brady's made his money. I can't believe they talked that many people into coming back. You know, and I'll say this: the haters. You know, I thought that that they would be a um, be kind of a sluggish team, and they may finish sluggish. But I think they'll start strong next year. They're going to be like seven and one at the start of the season, eight and zero, seven and one, something of that nature. I'm predicting, and I think they'll probably finish the season anywhere from twelve and four to thirteen and three. I mean, they even brought the coaching staff back. Bruce Arians is uh, very easy going. They got a Dominican Sue to come back. Uh, I can't believe they got the receiving core. Fournette uh, still in his prime, taking him. Everybody took a pay cut to be there. So it must be a really happy, chill environment in Tampa. And they're probably closer to a 13-3 and football team next year. So, so don't get mad, haters, when they play like that. Because I warn you, it I always get mad when I get caught and sucker punched, you know. But if I know that a team's going to be good, I'm not going to be surprised come September, October, that they're eight and zero or seven and one, pending injuries. So just get used to it, NFL executives around the league, and I think part of that trade. But the 49ers was because of paying these quarterbacks that amount of money. Brady's taking a $9 million cap hit. That there, There's some backup quarterbacks that make more money than that. I want to say Taysom Hill's cap hit for the Saints was more money. So it's something to think about, you know. So I'm just going through my notes, everybody, as we go along here. Um, talked about everything on the NFL side. We talk about the games. Uh, the 17th game, I think it's a good thing. Aldridge signs. Like I said, Larkus Aldridge made as much money as he he's wanted to make. He wanted to get away from Greg Popovich. He's officially a New Jersey uh, Brooklyn Nets, excuse me, playing with uh, Blake Griffin. They're a half a game out of first place in the East behind Philadelphia. Uh, Durant's been popping up in the news here lately. I got a feeling he's going to be back in the next 10 days, if you ask me, or less. And then you've got Kyrie, Harding. I mean, this is a – and you know what? LeBron can't get mad. Jenny Buss said, Pickles, she's like, well, you know, that just inspires us to put together and play even harder and be more aggressive. Okay, well, LeBron started the whole super team thing. You can't You can't get mad when somebody else rolls with it. He's a 6'10 guy, 15 points. He's an underrated defender. I was listening to uh, one of the NBA experts say this guy's much underrated defender. He's a good shooter inside. You've got outside play. What's DeAndre Jordan still on that team? Uh, they don't really have any kind of weakness. They're not too far out of their prime. Uh, and like I was telling Jack Mack and Jack's show, which I'm on 8 p.m., uh, 8 a.m. May, may, that may change this week. Uh, Central time. And and I was telling them, 
that the Celtics with the big three with uh, Kevin uh, Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen were a year older than this team. And they did it in a first year together. Because I think there was this sense that they can get to the finals, but they can't win it. And that 2008 Boston Celtics team won it the first year. I think this team can win it uh, maybe even without Durant, you know. As high level as uh, as Harden's plant, Harden is really focused. He's more focused now than he's ever been in his whole career. Think about, uh, uh, you know, Harden, you know, as good as he's played over the years. I feel like he's more focused now than he's ever been. He is he is locked in like a like a laser beam. And if uh, Durant is halfway, 50% they win, 50%. Remember, Embiid is not even back. They're a half game back. But I think I, here's my pretty, I think they'll catch Philadelphia, and I think that if, if Durant comes back, like what, like I said, I got a feeling he's gonna come back in the next ten days or less because he's been he's been uh, saw spotted warming up. Uh, I, th- I think they'll win the whole thing. I think that, and I, I just don't. I, I'm not even sure now. This Drummond. Drummond is is a uh, he, he went to the Lakers. He's a rim protector guy. Uh, he he's definitely going to play well. Twenty seven years old, very young. He's been around for a long. Came in at nineteen, very young player. Going to get you some rebounds. Going to be a good defender inside while Davis is still out. Who knows if Davis is not reoccurring with his injury there? Uh, but again, if they fall to that four or below, I don't think they're going to get there. I don't. I know they're not going to win it. I doubt. I doubt if they'll even get there, even with Andre Drummond. Yeah, Drummond is still a young guy. He's just on a bad team. Players get the football blues. Uh, I think Stafford's going to play out of this world in football. He got the football blues in in Detroit. Uh, Blake Griffin's looking good. He he got the basketball blues playing in Detroit. When you play on these really bad teams and you're a great player, uh, you know, you kind of fall into a funk. I remember when Randy Moss played for the Raiders, I thought he was washed up pickles. He goes to the Patriots and breaks all these touchdown records. He got rejuvenated. He got a fountain of youth, you know. So I think that these guys going to these new teams – that are the talent still there. They're not that old. Like I said, Drummond's 20, 20 something years old, 27, man. Seemed like you've been around for 15 years, you know? So, and other news at Chiefs, they signed Jared Reed, uh, picked up a defensive lineman there, former second round pick from Seattle. That was a good one. Uh, they're going to need all the help they can get. Uh, Let's see. Okay. Now, Shaka Smart leaves Texas. Now, Texas is an interesting place, Pickles. Shaka Smart was the the, the uh, coach of the basketball team. This guy took Virginia Commonwealth. Now, they got to the tournament this year, Texas, but he was kind of on the hot seat. But, you know, before this, he took little bitty VCU, Virginia Commonwealth, if uh, – if uh, Howard Cosell was still alive, took this team to the Final Four, and he couldn't get Texas basketball really off the ground. Uh, Smart takes – he goes all the way up there to Marquette and takes that Marquette job over Texas. Good weather, Austin, Texas. And I think there's something to that. You know, Texas and – Texas A&M football programs are two of the highest-grossing – uh, money makers in all of college football. And that also feeds the other sports. But I think there's a problem in Texas, University of Texas. Okay. Charlie Strong could, I mean, couldn't get nothing done at, with the football program. Tom Herman was fired this last year. Steve Sarkeesian, I don't know if he was even the best possible hire. Rick Barnes was fired. And now Shaka Smart left uh, Texas for a, a Marquette job. 
You know, a few years ago, Texas A&M, and I'm talking about both Texas teams, the, a booster called out. Um, I don't know if this guy was a booster. Or he was he was some kind of connection, a higher-up connection to A&M. Uh, but a few years ago, the year that Kevin Sumlin got fired, they blew a 21-point lead uh, very first game against UCLA. Josh Rosen brought UCLA back. This guy was a named person with Texas A&M. He's calling out Sumlin on social media and either Facebook or something. But I think that culture where the boosters and stuff have too much actual say, too much intimidation, and they're scaring off coaches. And I know you say, well, maybe they do that everywhere. I don't know. There's something about the Texas guys that I think that they are they're adding extra pressure. Uh, they're more vocal now than they've ever been. And remember, they offered Nick Saban at one time. And then Saban turned them down. And that's that's like me. And, and I've told a guy that wanted to be a sponsor of my show. And I'm going to tell this to future sponsors. Um, I'll do as much business for you. I'll work my butt off to help you out. But I won't be micromanaged. Uh, I'm not going to answer your text message in the middle. I used to tell my my clients this. I'm not going to, because they used to do this to me all the time. Answer your text message in the middle of the night. I'm not going to get back to your email on the weekend. Uh, There's some old trivial uh, 50 cent BS. But I think this is like the issue with with, with Texas uh, athletics, both A&M, and particularly uh, Texas University of Texas, because I mean, if you are a um, a fan of this, it just doesn't seem right that Shaka Smart, all that money, all those facilities, could not bring in big name, could not put together a winner there, and uh, has to run up to the North Pole practically and go uh, coach for Marquette, which I think is in Wisconsin. There's a Marquette, Michigan. And our market Wisconsin. I think it was market in Wisconsin, but that's a thing with Texas, and the the powers to be need to look in the mirror. And I love Texas people; it's a great state. I'm actually watching the show Dallas Pickles. I'm rewatching the great Dallas hit. You know, a lot of people think I'm from Texas from the way I talk. So, but there's something with their program that needs to be addressed. And there needs to be a halo of protection uh, by the AD, by the big money people, to not let other voices become intimidating to scare off good coaching candidates. That's all I'm saying. Because there's there's clearly an issue there. This is too good a program to not uh, to be crappy like this. You know? Yeah. Yeah, to move all the way to Michigan and not want to. I much rather live in Austin, Texas, than Marquette, Wisconsin, or Marquette, Michigan, any day of the week, Carlos. And I, I don't. I, I disagree. I think kids do want. I mean, Ricky Waters, uh, Ricky Williams went to Texas. Uh, uh, Kevin Durant went to Texas under Rick Barnes. Lamarcus Aldridge went to Texas. But over the past seven to eight years, Texas, they've got some shade. I don't know about shady, but they're obnoxious boosters that are involved in Texas. It's an issue. It's got to be. There's something going on there. You know, there's something that that, that doesn't, it, there's a culture there that's simply rubbing. And it could be, yeah, Carlos is saying it could be some race, racial stuff, uh, uh, Carlos. And if it is, you got to clean it up. Winning is everything, you know. Winning is everything. Uh, I want to say it wasn't Newt Rockme. It was the guy Lombardi says it's not everything. It's the only thing. I think that was Lombardi said that. Speaking of Lombardi, uh, Carlos um, uh, uh, Pickles, uh, Howard Schnagenberger. 
Am I saying his name right? Former University of Miami Shingenberger. Howard Shinglen Shingenberger. It's a mouthful. It's bigger than Roethlisberger name. This guy uh, died the other day. Schnollenberger. He was a coach of the Dolphins or for the uh, uh, Hurricanes. Uh, he was 87 years old, had a, what a good life. Uh, took the uh, Hurricanes. Yeah, Schellenberger. That's right, Pickles. Thank you. Uh, now, there's a, there was a confusion for most of my life that that Jimmy Johnson built originally built the Hurricanes up. Well, that's not true. That uh, there was a 30 for 30, Carlos, on uh, Schellenberger. And he built this team up in 1979. Jimmy, yeah. So he wins a national championship in 83. Then a guy named Jimmy Johnson, he takes the USF job and all that stuff. Then Jimmy Johnson comes on in 83. And then four years later, he he wins one in 87. And then I want to say in 89, he leaves, takes the Dallas job. The rest is history. Dennis Erickson. Went to later on win championships there. I want to say they won. Once he got the ball rolling, they won um, three national championships over the next six seasons. So with with three different coaches, well, uh, Dennis Erickson and everybody, of course, the great Jimmy Johnson. But you know what he did? Uh, that, there was a U documentary on it. He just said, you know something, nobody's never really paid attention to these local schools here. He says, everybody's wanting to go out to Alabama. And remember, Oklahoma was really good back in the day. And he just said, you know, I'm going to take a circle, uh, Carlos, and I'm just going to circle South Florida, and I'm just going to sell these kids on. You're going to go to school with more kids in college that you went to high school with than you ever would if we were recruiting nationally. We're just going to stick with the local high schools here. Think about this, guys. And, you know, thinking about it now, 40-plus years later, why would the rest of the country ignore, maybe it was academics, uh, ignore South Florida like that? Think about the great player. So he just basically, that first national, that was, was mostly, I'm, and I mean mostly, I mean mostly uh, Miami-Dade, uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Palm uh, what's the other ones, Palm Springs, Pickles. That little, I mean, I'm talking just South Florida. I'm not even talking about Tampa, Orlando, or anything of that nature. I'm not talking, that's too far north. I'm talking like Florida Keys, just up there. So he just got that and and turned these guys into a national power. It's a great 30 for 30. I thought it was, you know, this guy's an interesting character, you know. And, of course, Jimmy Johnson took it to another level. They started getting money there. We know about the, uh, you know, things wasn't so rosy. You know, about the drugs and the loot, the rapper and everything. But it it they just um they, it really took off. And then they had a part two to that 30 for 30. And it makes me think about the uh team that uh in 2001, uh uh Carlos, that was probably the best college football team ever. You know, it's like they found second life. In in 2000, I can't remember the name of that coach, guys, that built it up. He went to the Cleveland Browns later. But he took that team and he, he, he built them up even more. And, and that 2001 team with um, Sean Taylor uh, and a lot of great running back. I think Ed Reed played. Just Jeremy Shockey, just one great pro after another. Probably the undefeated team, one of the greatest teams, if not the greatest college football team of all time. But it all started in 79, put a lot of emphasis on those locals there. Howland Schellenberger, 
87. I know he's that old, Pickles. I mean, he had a good run, if you ask me. But uh, I'm surprised he did not stay in the NFL. Probably got some health problems. But uh, I'll tell you guys, that was really something. But anyways, that yeah, 2000. Yeah, that's probably the best football team ever assembled. Particularly, Carlos, if you look at that uh, 01 team, what those players became later on. What they what kind of Hall of Fame careers that they had, you know? Uh, Andre Johnson, I don't know if he made it, but as a Hall of Famer per se, but those were those were all pros at one time. Uh, those guys, uh, Frank Gore is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He was on that team. Um, it's just loaded. He, uh, Winston Justice, the left tackle was good. Shockey was a great uh, tight end. Greg Olson later come out of that uh, with that group. He was a little bit later on. Uh, it was just Ke- Keelan Winslow Jr. And the, the, the players that came from the 01 players attracted more good players. And, of course, now they got in some trouble and everything. rest is history. But uh, either way, guys, I am all set for tonight. We're at 51 minutes. If you like the show, Share the show. I appreciate you sharing the show. If you want to advertise on Sportscope, contact me, sportscope at gmail.com. If you want to contribute to the sports show, the Sportscope, uh, go to the Z-E-L-L-E app, and my email is sportscope at gmail.com. Send money through that. I've been working on Patreon count. Uh, just haven't got a chance to finish that. Uh, everything. I got a few advertisers that claim they're going to get back to me. Very frustrating deal with them. I'm not a sales guy. I probably got to get a sales team up eventually. Uh, Check me out on the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Check out Mac and Jack Wednesday, Northeast Streaming Sports, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday through Sunday. Now, I may be on there I'm trying to get a new time on there slot because I, I got church stuff to do Sundays. But uh, check them out Sundays around that first hour, 8 a.m. Eastern time. I may be on there sometime in that. Uh, really good show there. Yeah, it's got a lot of good professors. I'm going to try to bring other guests on here. May try to bring you on here, Carlos. We'll talk about the Knicks and everything since I've got Streamline. want to thank Steph Wood last week, last Tuesday. A lot of views there for coming on here in the Coaches Conference here, everybody. So uh, have a good night, everybody. I will see you Thursday on my show around 9 p.m. Central Time here on Sports Scope. Thank you. Twitter. Thank you. If I can get you going up, yep, there we go. And thank you, podcast. Horoscope, I'm 